the universal soul not shown. The universal soul not shown. Increase spiritual awareness. The universal soul. Universal soul. The universal soul not shown. Advanced personal growth and development. This is Detective David Love and Dr. Lana Love from Universal Soul Love Radio, the radio station that is dedicated to raising the conscious vibration of the planet. Today, our special guest is Catherine Hinn. Catherine is a clinical hypnotherapist who specializes in past life regression and life between lives therapy. Interestingly, Catherine started her career in the high-powered world of investment banking. Catherine had a life-changing experience. She did have cancer and then had a profound realization around that and a near-death experience. Ever since then, Catherine has been pursuing spirituality and understanding the meaning of life and the afterlife and the metaphysical. Listeners can relate to that. That's right. And Catherine and her partner, Mick Turner, are now conference co-organizers of the consciousness conferences in Australia that include the Cosmic Consciousness Conference in Uluru and the Illuminate Aspects of Consciousness Conference in Coffs Harbour. And they are very highly rated and recognised conferences. So look, we're so pleased and excited to have you here today with us. Absolutely. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you guys today. And of course, we're very excited about the upcoming conference in uh, Coffs Harbour, which we're going to be taking part in the 17th to 19th of January. Oh, I know. Well, it'll be amazing. And we feel like there's a new energy this year. We've merged and rebranded two of our conferences that a lot of people have known and you know it's been quite a fixture on the spiritual calendar for the last five years we had the afterlife explorers conference and the close encounters conference and we just felt that it was time to sort of merge them together and go even a little bit deeper into different aspects of consciousness and hence why we've rebranded so it's really exciting for us to have this breath of fresh air coming into our event and yeah we've changed the format a little bit as well so I'm sure we'll we'll probably talk about more of that later. Maybe even now um, Catherine perhaps for our listeners especially the listeners that are in Australia or for any of our budding globe trotters overseas could you give the website? Yes it's illuminateaustralia.com fantastic it should be wonderful few days and we invite our listeners to attend it should be amazing it will be so you'll be part of i think we've got 27 presenters and 30 presentations we've got workshops and meditations and evening events and yeah it will be really 
quite transformational and really, really healing. That's the aspect why we keep going year after year when it feels really hard sometimes mm. and we think, what are we doing? When we hear, get the feedback from people and, and discover the healing that they get at our event, that is what just touches our heart and keeps us going. It's, it's quite profound for a lot yeah. of people to have really life-changing experiences mm. at our events. So that's the great part of it that we love. These conferences are really hard to organise, but I think they can be pivotal in a person's life. So you know, we thank you for organising that. Yeah, and of course, you. that David and I will be talking about the Super Consciousness Project and raising the conscious vibration of the planet, which is what we're all, we're, we're all we're trying all to do it in our own way. Well, we're all part of the collective consciousness. The Illuminate Conference is a great example of that. And I think it's important for people to, you know, if you're struggling to really get behind these types of events so that you can, you know, in those times we're all experiencing tough times, you want to really get gather together and unite your energies, inspire each other. This is a great opportunity and we're really looking forward to it. It's really important, David, that that's one of the most important things because often the path that we're going can feel quite isolated and even though we can come together online through Facebook and other social media platforms and a lot of us are meeting up with our soul families and our soul tribes and like-minded people, there is nothing better than actually being together physically and sitting there in that energy with other people on the same journey or even with people that are just opening up and just becoming more awakened you cannot do that you just can't get that same feeling online so to get together once a year and be rubbing shoulders with people and when you think about it you're going to be sitting with people that are the most awakened people in the country which is quite incredible to be able to get together with a whole group of like-minded people that you totally resonate with mm -hmm. and the connections and the conversations that people have right off the bat are just you know amazing and people from our events still meet up and often get together once you know a month or, or still connect and then they come back to the next conference the next year and we just all pick up from where we left off and it's just so much fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and I think fun is probably one of the key words here. We all yeah. need that. I mean, <laughs> with all the work, with all the work that the light workers are doing, it's uh, much, yeah. it's really needed. And it's it's such workers, a relief. Light workers are allowed to have fun, right? <laughs> oh, we need it. We need it. It's really good. It's more than fun. You know, you, it's hard to really articulate mm. it. It's, it's such a high. It's really so much more than you just a buzzing. And, and that's something mm. you can't replicate when you're sitting online chatting to people or listening to YouTube and that sort of thing. So to get together with people is the best part of it. Catherine, I was uh, really interested to to read that you started life off in investment banking and focusing a lot on business. And now you seem to be at the other end of, uh, I guess, the spectrum of what we do in life in the spiritual, focusing on spirituality. Tell us a little bit about that transition. Well, I know it's, it's just ironic, isn't it, really? I mean, I was very young, you know, in my 20s. It was in the, the mid 80s in the peak of the, you know, sort of, the, the Gordon Gecko type era where there was just an abundance of money and, you know, I was working for two of the, the dark forces now, you might say. <laughs> I worked for Rothschild Australia and then oh I my was goodness. Working, yeah, working for Goldman Sachs. And, you know, at the time I was just like, I'm totally oblivious who I was actually working for. And I was so loyal and I dedicated myself and, and worked, you know, so hard. And, but of course I, I was just, 
you know oblivious back then and and now I, I look back and think oh it's a bit of a uh, you know a bit of a chuckle about it really but yeah as you say I have really come to the other end of the spectrum and and so for some reason I, I must have needed to have that that preparation and it must have been a training mm. ground and you know at the time it was it was I was just in a very different stage of my life so <laughs> but I have a laugh about it now and you had a very close encounter with I guess illness and potential death what, what was that like for you we, that's a common theme here with Isn't people it? Have spiritual mm, awakenings um, mm. with guests on our show and yes, even with myself in a way yes yeah yes. accidents or mm. you know illness mm. Well, exactly. And I, I know with a great deal of certainty that, that, again, it was part of my initiation or a part of my, you know, cleansing. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And despite my training as a hypnotherapist and my knowledge of the, of, of the mind-body connection and the power of our minds to heal, I still got almost drawn down into that medical, conventional medical system which I now know is so severely lacking and so terribly, terribly flawed. But because I got, I, I, you know, I went and, and had the test and discovered I had breast cancer and all of a sudden I was, you know, being, you know, bullied almost into having a double mastectomy followed by chemotherapy and radiation and tamoxifen. And I started to believe that this was the only way that I was going to survive and, um, you know, at the time my son was nine and, and I had a lot of guilt put on me by the oncologist that if I didn't go down this path, you know, I'd probably be leaving my son behind. And um, so it was a terribly terrifying experience. And I was quite naive. Like I, I didn't, I knew that chemotherapy, of course, wasn't a great option, but I, I was very naive into um I didn't understand how damaging conventional oncology is in the treatment of cancer. And so it was just with a huge leap of faith and trusting my, my intuition that the day before I was about to have a double mastectomy, I just couldn't do it. It was like every cell in my body was willing me not to go into that hospital. And so I, I just you know, rang up. In fact, I got my sister to ring because I was too chicken to ring and cancel it. But I basically cancelled the operation knowing, not really knowing. It was a giant leap of faith. And, and I just thought there's got to be a better way. And, and uh, you know, it just took me down the whole rabbit hole of natural healing. And I discovered how ineffective uh, conventional oncology is. And I'm just so grateful that I, that I trusted myself and didn't go down that path because um, it's it's very damaging to actually have the tumour cut out and it's incredibly damaging to have chemotherapy, of course. I think everyone knows that now. But um, even people like, you know, other, uh, my holistic doctor and, and my, you know, fellow sort of light workers were still advising me, even a naturopath I know was still advising me to have the mastectomy and then um, go down natural healing. Um, but I, I have since found out that to remove the tumour is actually one of the worst things that you can do because your tumour is saving your life. It's, it's, it's collecting all the toxins and um, cancer is not a tumour. It's not a localised mm. problem. It's a systemic disease. And so things like this, I just didn't know at the time. And, and I have now found out that 
yeah. to treat it naturally is is what your body's designed to do. And we've all got lumps and bumps and tumors and growths. And often, you know, people just are, you know, if you, if you don't know about it, you can probably, they say something like 39% of women autopsied um, have lumps in their breasts. It's, it's part of our body's self-healing, self-correcting mechanism to actually, you know, collect all the toxins in, in a, a place and, and you, and you just carry on with your life and don't even know. But now that we've got all this supposed sort of early prevention and, and detection um, campaigns, when you go looking for something, you go, you'll find it. And, you know, a lot of the, the natural healing um, doctors say that um, most of us will find cancer in our body. Probably everyone's got stage one cancer. And a lot of people would probably have stage two cancer. And so if you go looking for it, well, of course, you'll find it. You mean so, um, mutated, mutated cells and... Yeah, and tumours and, and all sorts of things mm. going on. And, um, and this is part of the, the problem why it's just erupting. You know, one in eight women now get diagnosed with breast cancer. Well, yeah, because they're sending everyone along to go and, and look for it. So you're going to find it. On top of that, of course, you've got... The, the way that we live now with um, mammograms. Mammograms are a great cause of cancer. On top of the things like the, the toxins in our, in our daily life, the, the pesticides in our food, the BPA in our bottles, mimicking estrogen in the body that then can contribute to tumour growth in the breast. We've got chemtrails, we've got fluoride in the water. Mm. It just goes on and on. So we're, we're sure already over-toxified. So, you know, why people would then suggest that you want to go and, and poison yourself with, with chemotherapy and totally pump yourself up to, you know, full volume toxicity just defies logic. Well, I guess if you, you know, if you found something in your body and you try to violently remove that lump, that metastasize, I think is the word, um, Lana might totally. comment on that, but, you know, you, you can't just take it upon yourself to go in and, you know, disturb something like that not expect those mutated cells to start freely flowing out of that site i think you do have to be very careful I'm that's just, my sense of things. i mean yeah yeah i you mean it, it's a very delicate difficult topic and, and have advice from from the medical specialist at the same time i guess what you're saying is there are other ways of handling it and for you catherine it worked which is wonderful tell us what sort of healing did you have how did you do it the very first thing that I did was I, I, I became vegan. So, and, and of course, there's so Yay. much. Yeah. <laughs> so we're vegans as well. I think it's a wonderful lifestyle, mm. lifestyle choice, Absolutely. both for health and mm. for the planet. Mm. It is. Well, meat and animal products contain high levels of methionine and, and that just helps okay. to grow. So the very oh. first thing, you know, if you want to go down that natural healing path is to, to cut out dairy uh, which is very congestive to your lymphatic system mm -hmm. and, of course, meat because of the methionine. So, yeah, what, that was the very first thing. I, of course, I cut out sugar. I cut out all processed foods and, and I, I became very, very clean. I did a lot of high fruit um, phases where I was just detoxing with a fruit-only diet. I did vitamin C. I had vitamin C infusions. Look, I did all sorts of things. I did a lot of sound therapy. I was doing a lot of detoxing, like infrared saunas and you know dry dry body scrubbing. And 
I think the most important thing, and people get very hung up on what are the physical things that you do, what supplements should I take, what should I eat, what should I, you know, physically do. And I have seen people doing this the right things but still pass away. And I believe that's because they haven't dealt with, they haven't worked emotionally and energetically. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, so I did a, a tremendous amount of EFT because I'm an EFT practitioner. I did a lot of acupuncture, kinesiology. And so I was really working at a very emotional level and also energetically. And of course, I had a lot of interdimensional healing. I'm so lucky that I felt incredibly supported by the universe. I, you know, I had healers just turn up and and offer me healing and fantastic yeah so i i did a lot of things and mm-hmm. for me it was a such a journey i i one of one of the very first um things that you said was that a lot of light workers are going through these critical life threatening illnesses and conditions and and when i was in egypt i went into sekhmet's chamber at luxor temple and i i heard as clear as anything I heard the message that this is just a purification process for me really and, wow. so, sorry can you say again which chamber Sekhmet. it was Sekhmet's chamber. Oh. yeah yeah and so you know I, I realized that yeah for me it was to prepare my body for you know to make my body clean and, and detox and and to help me cleanse myself of my own negative thoughts and my own traumas that are still stored in my body. So I, it really made sense to me when I heard that message. And so anytime the anxiety would creep in and I'd think, oh, you know, is it spreading? Am I going to die? Am I going to leave my son? Am I going to leave me? I would just remind myself this is just a cleansing. It's just a purification process. And, you know, and I, I hear, you know, I, I do hear that a lot that people more and more people are becoming vegan, more and more people are really starting to look after their health and their bodies. And, you know, that was the way that it it took that sort of wake up call for me to get to that point where I really had to cleanse myself and, and really rid myself of, you know, for me, it was about self love. Uh, That was the biggest journey for me was bringing myself to a point where I could say, I love myself. And I had my my what we all now laugh at and say mummy's I am God moment where mm-hmm. I literally had this understanding on such a deep level that I am God and I was sitting in the bath and I was screaming out in tears oh my I'm God and you know it was it was that kind of journey for me that it was such a big awakening even though I'd been so doing so much self-development and healing through the years you know but I did more in the last, you know, 18 or last, you know, in the 18 months that I was healing cancer than, than I'd done in the, the 20 years before that. So well, that, sounds, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And the, the importance of our thoughts being positive and even more than that, the importance mm-hmm. of us understanding that we are, we are part of God. How yeah. profound. It's, it sounds like, if I may say, it was the experience of a lifetime. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't change it for a thing Mm. now. It was amazing. And as I've said to other people that, you know, you don't, until you get something like cancer, often you don't have the opportunity to just spend 100% of your time healing yourself. And people give you the the space, you know, when you've got cancer to just, just sort of have this license to be able to spend 
you know, for, particularly about the first four months after the diagnosis, I really did very little other than than focus on healing. It was like a full-time job. It was 24-7 and everything that I was doing was focused on my healing. And when else do you do that? Mm. <laughs> you Good don't. Point. You, mm. you fit it in around everything else, all the, the little tiny nooks and crannies of your life, you know, that's when you often just spend the time to do your own healing. Self-care. Mm. Yeah. Time to focus yeah. on yourself and gain some Get to know yourself better. I am. Um, I just got an interesting thought. Actually, uh, a message that just came to me that I, I the word cancer strikes fear in the heart of so many people that it's like a it's like the the atom bomb of disease, you know. And yeah. that power of that word in and of itself is enough to give us cancer and just strike yeah. us dead like a bolt of lightning. It's so frightening. Spot we, on, all, David. we all uh, apparently do have cancer within us all the time. So mm. our immune system is very busy fighting that off. So it's a it's an ever present sort of uh, aspect of our the mutations of our cells and uh, you know just together yeah, with change. infections. We're always changing. We're always in a state of perhaps battling between health and disease. Mm. But uh, it it's, it would be wonderful for us all to have opportunities to focus so much on our healing before we have any you know life-changing illness hit us and, and uh you know your your words about having a license to heal yourself really great message it, it well it would be so wonderful for us all to mm. understand that our the very fact that we are on this planet is to heal and to ascend mm. that that is what we are meant to do isn't it especially at this time totally mm. yes exactly so I say to people, just treat yourself like you've got cancer. <laughs> right, right. And, right. and so that word, it, it is such a trigger. And um, I, I was very careful about my language. I didn't ever take ownership of it. I wouldn't say my cancer. I, I'd often just refer to it as the diagnosis, just to distance myself from it, just to remember that it's, it's an a diagnosis from a medical model that I now no longer even believe in. So mm. a lot of the time I just referred to it as, you know, I'm dealing with this issue or I'd say it's just uh, I, I'm detoxing or I'm, I'm cleansing and that's what would keep me from, from going into fear. Look, that being said, there, I, had, I had times where there was, I was suffering from terrible anxiety that the fear would really grip, would grip me and that was probably for me another, another aspect of my healing that I had to learn to not let my emotions bring me down and so there was on many different levels there was a whole lot of healing that was occurring for me and well, I think that, that everyone has decisions that you made there including that wise decision not to actually own the word that they say that our the words we use have incredible power that we're forever almost hypnotizing ourselves with the language that we use Absolutely. And that, that was, you know, as a hypnotherapist, as David would know that, you know, those words that self-talk and, and the way that we um, describe things is, is so important and the way that we reframe everything. Yes. The I am. Uh, you don't want to walk around saying, I am a cancer patient because it's, it's yeah. saying, I am a victim and this thing now conquered me and I'm submissive to this demon. I don't even like to use the word demonic, but this dark spirit called cancer is ruling my life now and I must be subjugated to it. And that's such a oh. terrible mindset. 
oh yeah, people, the, the, the language that they use, I'm, I'm fighting this and I'm battling this and, um, and, 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 and even worse things, I've heard some really, I've heard really terrible negative um, ways of describing their, you know, their approach to healing cancer. And, you know, it, it's funny because, well, not funny, it was tragic, but throughout my, at uh, one point throughout my, my healing journey, I, there was a, a woman in Australia who died of breast cancer. And in fact, I, I now also don't even say that people have died of cancer. I, I usually re, rephrase it and say they, they died of chemotherapy poisoning. But um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she died throughout her, at some point in her journey. And it was in the middle of my healing journey. And she, for some reason, she got a lot of press about it and she had a, there was a, a lot of coverage and I saw a little snippet of, of video footage on the news at one point and I noticed that she actually said, cancer, for whatever reason, I hate cancer, but cancer loves me. Hmm. And I thought, how many times has she said that? Right. And, um, you know, to be saying cancer loves me, you know, it was just a really strange thing to hear and it shocked me. And, of course, you know, she lost her struggle. Mind you, she had gone through chemotherapy and, of course, that that would have been what contributed to her death, I have no doubt. But, um, yeah, just interesting to hear the language that people use about cancer and how negative they, they feel about it when, in fact, cancer is, is trying to save your life. It's, it's, <laughs> it's doing it. Yeah thing for you so um yeah like, like a near-death experience i i've um you know I, I worked in hospice and volunteered in hospice and I've, i you know i've talked about this a lot on this show um it was a and and also my father dying just before i came to australia uh was life-changing for me and it, and it became one of my biggest spiritual lessons death my greatest teacher uh freed me and it taught me to live uh and go on to learn other spiritual lessons. And I know death is the biggest fear because we don't know what, we don't know for sure what happens to us after we leave our mortal bodies. So, because nobody's ever, well, anyhow, I'm going into different, different aspects of this, but that's all I really wanted to say about that was that, um, you know, it's just fear. And so yeah. you conquer your greatest fear um it is really life-changing that's all it is and look i would say that i feared i did not fear death because like you i'm i take people through their their death experiences on a regular basis under hypnosis and i have seen people die in front of me over and over and over again as they and it's never scary for them i've been through it myself many many times in in my own past life sessions that i've undertaken i've taken mick through his death in, in past lives and um, I've never seen someone that's that's been scared of dying you know dying is is much a much better experience for a soul than being born much much better I've heard that, mm. that was yeah, in Seth, you know? one of the Seth books I think uh, Seth said that yeah I, I take I, I speak to people in the past life deaths Tell sorry just say that. that again did you say that in your part in your past life regression um, therapies, you will sometimes guide people through their past life death. Mm, every time, every time. About that. that sounds fascinating. Mm. It is. It's just amazing. I mean, I, I always take them through quite a few pit stops in that lifetime. 
and then I always get them to go through their their final their final breath on 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 the planet and um in the in that body and they go through it and there's never any fear even in the most traumatic of of um of of death experiences no matter what's occurring for them death is a far better experience and um an easier transition to make for a soul than being born because on the other hand when i'm taking people um from the womb into a lifetime they are often um way more anxious and, and apprehensive about coming into this lifetime than when they actually transition out of their out of their body at death so i i personally have no fear of dying at all and i haven't done ever since i i actually read michael newton's book journey of souls and that was what really oh, really changed things a lot for me because I had quite an amazing experience as I was reading that book and I, I almost willed my soul out of my body um, to go home. But what 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 I was fearing was leaving my son. I just didn't mm. want to. And, and even though I knew on a bigger picture level that his soul, if, if I did have to leave, it would have been my time and his soul would have pre-planned that and we would have um, agreed to that in our mm. soul contract. But me, the mum, would go into terrible fear going, I am not ready to leave my son on this planet yeah. yet. He really needs yeah. his mum. And, yeah, um, yeah, and that was my fear. That, the fear of death didn't, yeah. didn't touch me. It was a fear of leaving him. And, and maybe it was not meant to be. And it, it sounds like because you felt so strongly, it, it sounds like that's not what happened. So no, I'm, well, just goes I'm to still here to tell the tale. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Mm, I um, I remember. We uh, have our free will too, and that was uh, in my near-death experience. I really clearly got the the understanding that our free will is everything. What we choose, we mm. we choose it. We define it. We create it in every single moment, moment to moment. Every thought, every choice takes us on a different, you know, a different path, and and it's entirely our doing. Can I can I throw a little uh, curveball question at you on that? Um, I, I had a conversation with our good friend, uh, Gary, who uh, is the avatar of the Phoenix, uh, mm -hmm. one of the avatars, at least in this reality. And he, um, we had a conversation about free will just yesterday. I'm just wondering what you think of this. Um, I, you know, I'm very much um, uh, aware of the illusion of reality, probably the way you are a lot of people. Um, I, I don't, can't really think of a better term, the matrix. Um, you know, this virtual reality environment, the simulations in it. And I've often wondered about free will, and I know we have absolute free will, but we have absolute, it seems to me that we have absolute free will within the virtual reality environment. And so that kind of, it's almost sometimes feels to me and to many other people I speak to that it's that the free will we have is like a dog on a leash in a fenced-in yard because, you know, the matrix basically is creating all the simulations. So it's really, um, uh, it seems contradictory in some ways, you know, how much free will do we really have? And I've just, it's just something that I've played around with and talked to people about. Um, just wondering what you think of that. Yeah, look, I, I, it is, and again, you know, referring to Michael Newton's work, um, there is one of the most common questions that people say, how much free will? Is there like a magic number that, that 
is there you know 70% of what we do is is free will is is um, you know a, a lot of it pre-planned um, I don't know that there's an answer and I know that on a on a soul level so in the in the human in our human reality um, of course it can feel like we're very much um, you know there's a lot of boundaries and a lot of um, mechanisms in place that, that we lose that free will but the way that I saw it when I was in in going through my near-death experience is that um, our soul our consciousness as a soul has more um, influence on our human selves than we know and this is what I think we forget in the human form we feel powerless because of so many external factors one thing that came through very very clearly really abundantly clear to me um, was that when you are in your heart space and you're totally in that heart space making decisions from your heart and connected to another person on a heart level then you have total free will mm. but the thing is it's often very hard for us in the human to live our life that way um so it's yeah free will is is a hundred percent our call when we are living in our heart space and as we move higher and higher into you know a, a greater vibration higher levels of consciousness into the 5g um that will be easier to do so that's where we're headed um at the moment it's something that we've got to be really practicing and keep consciously choosing to do because you know we've 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 got lifetimes of programming that that are designed to stop us living from our heart space you know we're, we're purposely being dumped down as we know so it's very hard we're so programmed to be um out of our heart space and in our head space that that's why we feel that there's not as much free will as as we think there is but our soul consciousness has so much influence if we let it if we if we let it uh, that makes perfect sense to me. That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah, and fascinating. Um, fascinating discussing free will. What just struck me is that perhaps um, a more accurate way of describing it is that we are all very much sovereign beings, even within the, mm -hmm. the constriction of the um, and control of the matrix, and that. Be, when we are not in our heart space and when we are, for example, stressed, we actually can create illness through stress. Now, paradoxically, when you think about it, that's still, um, in some ways, a very sovereign state of being. We create our own illness. Now, it's not that we will the illness upon us, but by, by fearing it or by fearing life, we will create that. So in other words, we are sovereign beings. Now, when we can actually rise up, be more illuminated, be more insightful, and can gain control and mastery over our emotions and be in our heart space, that's when we can gain full free will. But if people will even just reflect upon um, the fact that whatever we do um, creates probably at least 90% of our reality, um, you know, mm -hmm. When you think about manifestation and, and, and 
you know, how, for example, worrying about bills and, you know, focusing on the negative brings more of that to you. Um, while that's, you know, that's a frightening prospect, but in some ways it's actually quite a reassuring prospect because we're actually doing it to ourselves. So when we realize mm -hmm. that we are doing it to ourselves, our thoughts are so powerful, that's when we can actually step back and with insight and with care, guide our experience into thinking thoughts that are useful. Yeah, I'm actually hearing, I love yeah. the quote um, from all of this conversation, that uh, the feeling of stress is a sign that we're giving away our personal power to an outside source. Okay, yes. that's, that's, I guess that's another, that's another variation of it. Mm. And certainly there, there are a lot of uh, people in spiritual circles who will say that, you know, negative entities will feed upon our stress, but mm -hmm. still, yeah. but still we're the ones that are creating stress. You know, as, as they say, it's not in life. It's not what happens to you. It's how you react. But mm. the very fact that we are, we have free will over our reactions. When you realize how much damage we can do by thinking the thoughts we think, that can actually allow us to think, oh my God, we actually created that. <laughs> Why don't we just try a different way and actually try creating good thoughts? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, there's so many people that feel that the external factors of their life create their, their internal feelings and, mm. and reactions, but it's totally the other way around. It's yes. their internal, you know, it's their internal feelings and thoughts that create their external reality. And, right. um, you know, when you, when you kind of get a, you know, a hold of that, it just can turn a lot of things on their head and, mm. um, you, you just start to spiral upwards instead of spiraling downwards. But it, it's about being conscious and, so much of what we do is programmed from our childhood, you know, the, our very limiting beliefs that we picked up um, in, our, in our formative years. And we still are running. We're, we're 50 and 60 years old, but the eight-year-old's actually, you know, um, still running the show. So, yeah. Mm. yeah that's so true. Yeah. Uh, I, what, an author who comes to mind is Viktor Frankl and uh, the book he wrote about um, his experiences in concentration camps. A few handful, those that survived were not necessarily the most physically fit. They were the ones that were mentally fit. They were the ones mm. that with hope that were concentrating on meeting their loved ones after the concentration camp was over. Mm. You know, they had that hope. They had that vision. And, you know, yeah. the most horrendous of situations, they were able to survive. So mm. I'm always fascinated about how much free will we have if we know how to, you know, how to exert it properly. Well, like we were saying, you know, be in your heart space and keep focused on your outcome. It's so easy to be focused on the obstacles and the pain and, 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 and that just keeps us stuck. But just, just shifting your focus back to your vision and staying in that. And, you know, Abraham Hicks says 17 seconds is enough to change the physiology in your body um, when you just stay focused and feel and use your emotions and your senses and, and your imagery because that is the language of our subconscious mind. So when you can be, you know, putting your focus and your vision and your energy into your outcome, that is what you end up creating. So exactly those people that would have been kept focused on seeing their loved ones and feeling the hug or, you know, feeling the love or touching their loved one's, you know, face or hair or whatever, that would have been what then kept them going. 
but for a lot of people their spirit would have been broken by that kind of trauma and they would have just been very stuck in the trauma and the pain and the grief and the and the hurt and they and you know in a way they probably willed themselves out of their mm. body in any case yeah and i do just add on to that i've many times encountered lost souls i mean there's lost souls in life but there's lost souls in the afterlife and so we need to be careful about that, carrying on that kind of thinking and when we do pass on because i've you know i during my spiritual awakening i actually encountered a mother and she was grieving and it was like you know that she had left her children behind and i'm saying i'm sorry that you're dead and you know you're separated from your children and she was just so distraught and then so much the spirit uh it was awful um and i'm, I'm actually finally uh, about to publish a book about my uh, personal experiences and I, that's actually one that i forgot to put in and that was maybe one of my more significant experiences in a way emotionally for me mm. to just yeah. caution i don't want to say caution but just to give people a little food for thought about this you know about carrying on this kind of um you know, guilt and sadness and all these things and anger when you're about to pass on because you, you may find yourself um, in a place that you don't want to be in in the afterlife because of that. Mm. Yeah, people can definitely want to linger around mm. um, because of that, yeah, that inability to let go. Right. So we're um, we're really looking forward to being in the conference, and uh, you have a great lineup of speakers who, no doubt, will be talking a lot about the importance of um, being in a heart space, and mm. uh, you know, not stressing in today's life, and uh, um, focusing on not the materialistic but the spiritual. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the speakers that we have coming mm. up? Well, of course, in addition to your own beautiful selves. Um, we we have um and as you said you'll be talking about manifesting and healing from the superconscious state which is you know just i'm so excited to hear your presentation because i think it will speak to a lot of people um and um but you know some i guess oh, look the, it, where to start i mean we've got we've got some of our our absolute conscious uh, conference favorites like James Bartley this is the third year that he's been back because he's an absolute crowd pleaser time after time <laughs> James is um a, a researcher of um all sorts of ET things he's, he talks a lot about um the reptilians but he, he does talk about it from a very positive point of view and in fact one of his talks is called what's love got to do with it where he talks about the importance again of being in that loving space where love will you know block out anything negative and, and and to get into that space so he's really fascinating um we've got people like um oh, um tracy ash who, who calls herself a 5d revolutionary trainer and an ascension um pioneer she's another crowd favorite um we've had her last year talking at the cosmic consciousness conference at uluru She'll be back in Uluru, but also coming to Coffs. Um, Horace Drew, amazing crop circle researcher who was a scientist. Um, mm. And he has um, devoted his later years to studying um, crop circles and actually decoding them. And he's, he's seeing there's a connection between the whole Q um, uh, thing that's going on um, and some of the messages that are coming through in the crop circles. So that will be really, really interesting. Wow. I've got a guy called David Dunga, 
who, who you, you, I don't know if you guys know, he's a podcaster in Australia that has been podcasting for about eight years on his show, Shiny Side Out. He's actually going to talk about um, QAnon today and where it is and give everyone a sort of a 101 on QAnon and what's happening with that. He's been speaking to a scientist um, who's about to um, go, uh, go and, and sort of go, I don't know if public is the word, but about to come out and talk about the Australian involvement with um, the secret space program. So that will be fascinating. Um, and he's also going to talk about timelines and the connection between deja vu and the Mandela effect. And um, oh, look, we've got Max Egan, you know, just an amazing sort of David, Australia's David Icke, you know, a lot of people call him, which he'd probably find a bit, of, a bit offensive, I suppose, being referred to to someone else. But, you know, he, he again is talking about the collective awakening and mm. how we can all free ourselves from the matrix and, and uh, you know, awaken. Um, so, oh, look, amazing. We've got Michael Muir, who's a beautiful um, healer, um, talking about your, um, your multidimensional self and, and healing okay. through that. Um, wow. he, he does a lot of star language. And so, yeah, there's, there's amazing speakers. Philip Watt, Gordon White. Um, yeah, I oh, could go on. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Wow, what a great lineup! How exciting! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Steve McDonald. Steve McDonald's another one, um, a consciousness evolutionist, and um, oh, and then of course we have our sky watchers. You know, we have incredible sky watching experiences. We have we attract so many craft. Last year we were seeing about eleven craft or more a night. We had oh, amazing, my goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing orb experiences. We had um, we had photos of zeta beans in an orb that that i captured on on in, oh, in photo um like just amazing you know can imagine when you get all of us together or the, these um people all together and we're doing these sky watches and we do see five um we've got uh, australia's uh stephen greer's rep um in australia doing a ce5 protocol and we just have phenomenal sky watching experiences so um, for a lot of people, they're just blown away at the level of contact that we have. Well, like so many people that have a high conscious vibration together, I guess it must, uh, must have a certain effect. I, I'm, getting, I'm getting even more excited about this <laughs> conference now that I'm hearing you talk about all the great guests and the topics on this, this event. Uh, it's going to be great. I'm, and how, how wonderful. It's certainly a sign of the times that we have um, in that you're, you're um, organizing uh, these uh, wonderful conferences twice a year mm. um, in Coffs Harbour, where close to where we live, and Uluru. And for our international listeners, Uluru is uh, also known as Israel. It's the most sacred site in Australia. You a know, bit like Sedona or that's Mount right. Shasta, maybe. Beautiful, mm. huge red rock that they say many say is a meteor from outer space. So certainly it's the times that we have these consciousness conferences organized. Look, it's been wonderful talking to you, Catherine. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you. And, uh, you know, we oh, really look forward to doing the, um, doing the conference with you. And uh, so we were talking to Catherine um, Hand, who's the uh, uh, one of the organizers of the Illuminate Aspect of Consciousness Conference. And uh, you're speaking to Dr. Lana Love and David Love from Universal Soul Love. So we love you all. Uh, until next time, um, we hope you're all in your heart center and we send our universal soul love out to you all. Thank you very much, Catherine. Bye for now. Oh, thanks for having me.